No, but they are prescription strength vitamins. Prescription strength vitamins? The fuck are you talking about? I'm being serious. They're just vitamins. What makes them prescription strength? Have you been prescribed vitamins from your doctor? Yes. What makes these, like, it's, what vitamin is it? It's a vitamin D, and it's 50,000 <laughs> <items>. <laughs> You got a prescription for vitamin D. Prescription strength D. Oh. 50,000 units per week. <laughs> 50,000 Ds per week. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, lady boys and girls, to Shadowcast episode 15. Uh, this this is going to be a horrible episode for all of you listeners because, uh, well, we're dropping the ball tonight. Um, I'm joined right now with Mr. Chin. Hello, hello. And Black Math. What's up, everybody? <laughs> Lady uh, boys <laughs> Zandy couldn't make it because he's in bed um, So What we're going to do is uh, Polygon is still using uh, 1920s technology Yeah he's still on Republic Wireless uh, Thinks he's on Hacknip Yeah uh, Well no he sounded better on Hacknip Which is the weird thing But oh, um, yeah. yeah we're going to just hurry up And run through this You're going to get a horrible episode, so you're welcome. Uh, largely due to miscommunication and lack of organization on our part, so, and we make no promises of improving. You're just going to have to deal with that as a listener. So uh, let's jump in to our first segment, the feed. Now it's time for the feed. All right. So this week, React OS 0.4.0 was released. Um, <laughs> If, you, if anyone's familiar with React OS, it is uh, almost vaporware, but it, it's actually come a long way. Um, Ten years ago was when uh, the last major milestone release of 0.3.3 uh, 0.3.0 was released. Um, right now, uh, this version is pretty awful, but it's it's come a long way. Have any of y'all ever used React OS before? Well, seeing that, uh, you know, it's supposed to be an open source, not open source Windows, but, uh, yeah, it's supposed to be I, basically, I guess basically yeah. yeah, open source Windows, uh, I say fuck that. Why? Uh, because Windows itself is, I don't enjoy it. Yeah, yeah well, yeah. And, uh, last thing I need is to insert an open source version. Are you saying that you, you hate Windows enough like it is? It's the last more. thing you want to do is combine Windows with the complications of Linux on top of it? Yeah, it seems like uh, the exact opposite of what I want from Windows as far as the uh, some of the principles and ways uh, 
you know, you know, one thing Windows could borrow from Linux is that you don't have to restart your fucking operating system after you install like <laughs> a cursor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I agree. There's a lot of improvements that we made on Windows, but we are dealing with the horrible reality that is Windows. So, um, one thing that's horrible about it is the licensing. I mean, I I absolutely hate it uh, for the licensing, um, especially on the server side. It's it's unbelievable. Get so complicated and shit. Too. Oh, dude, what, what kind of uh, cows do we need? How many? What? Well, wait. So we're gonna go with user cows versus device cows. Um, all right, that's cool. Uh, oh, I need cows for this and that and that. Oh yeah, it, it's it's horrible. What they need to do is uh, offer cows uh, to where, like, say I. Uh, I don't have to buy cows outright. I just rent them for the time that I need to use them. You get what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Uh, like as a cows as a service. Cast. Windows. Windows as a service. <laughs> yeah. Wass. Wass. <laughs> <laughs> but, but oh wow, we need to we need to have like 10 users on our system. We only have 20. We we need to have 30 users. We only have 20 cows that we purchased. Let's just spin up these 10 cows, and. Uh, then we can purchase them when it's convenient. That would be so much easier. But alas, React whatever happened to uh, you know, what? site licenses? I mean, you can still do that. Like site licenses? Organ- what for cows? Like, no. No, for no for Windows. Well, yeah. Like yeah, 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 yeah. You can do that. But I'm talking about cows, so like on the server side. Oh yeah. That's the bitch. And man, your cost really goes up. I mean, with data center, you can save some money. Uh, a significant amount of money, depending on how many VMs you're gonna have uh, uh, running. But still, it's crazy the the amount of money that licensing costs, and that's why I'm excited about React OS, which is trying to yes make a free and open source uh, Windows uh, operating system. Basically, it's uh, NT4 compatible, so think XP uh, Windows 2003 era. Um, <laughs> I think XP was, wait, wasn't XP the, oh, no, 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 yeah, you're right, uh, Windows 2000 was NT5's first. Uh, no, uh, I may, yeah, maybe it is NT5, you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right, NT4 was originally what they were, uh, going for, and XP is based off of, that's like NT5.2 or something. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, so, anyways... That's what the, it's it's the goal is to make this uh, 100% compatible with Windows. And you may be saying, well, why don't I just use Line on Linux? Well, the goal with React OS is also to support drivers. So Did you say Wine. Wine, yeah. Okay, so like my hesitation with React OS probably just stems from trauma using Wine. Yeah, well, it's completely different. I actually ran it. I, I had it open for hours today, uh, testing. Uh, well, I used React OS, I don't know how long ago it was. I don't think it was as far back as 10 years ago, but it may have been. And I absolutely hated it because there was <laughs> no networking support for me whatsoever. And so that just was worthless. Does um, it use like a Linux-based file system? or No, fat. It's fat. Oh, it's fat? Yeah, because this is XP. Well, they have NTSF support and EXT2, but that's only for, like, uh, you know, 
drives. Uh, it, it installs this fat, but you gotta give them some credit. This is like a very small team in Russia who's trying to recreate Windows. That's <laughs> it, it's impressive. It's really impressive. Uh, There's also free DOS, right? Yeah, but this is this is much more That's than free DOS. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. Yeah, but uh, I I have this running right now, um, and I I have played with it. In VirtualBox, uh, what I was surprised was uh, that I was able to install the VirtualBox, um, the guest editions, w without issue. So that was a good sign. Was it the Linux guest editions? No, it was Windows. It, it's the really? EXE. That's what I'm trying to tell you, man. It's, wow. You can run Windows applications in this. And so I started seeing what Windows applications could I run. Well... You're going to be limited with any ones that uh, are checking for your OS version. Like if it's XP, Vista, whatever. Because it doesn't identify as any Windows version. Um, as far as I could see with the applications I was working with. I tried installing antivirus programs just for the walls. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't get any of them to install. Well, I got uh, one. Um, a Telenet that is like the for-profit version of... Uh, or no, Immunet. It's like the for-profit version of uh, Clam AV. Um, so uh, it, it installed, but I couldn't actually have the interface show up at all. It was just unusable. Firefox loaded just fine. I was able to use it, but then when I updated it, it, it doesn't even open. I can't even uninstall it. I, it doesn't let me open the uninstaller. <laughs> so there's a cutoff version-wise well, that you can't do anything with. I mean, that's, that's a pretty good... Uh, Windows emulator there. <laughs> yeah, really, honestly, a lot of the issues I'm having, I would have on XP if I tried using it. Um, so the browser I've been using is SeaMonkey. <laughs> so, and it's not even the most <laughs> current version of SeaMonkey. Uh, it is uh, SeaMonkey version 2.33.1. But honestly, that can't. that's not necessarily a React OS thing. Uh... That could definitely be just a compatibility with XPR03, you know? So, yeah. Uh, I was having some issues with uh, not being able to have a, a resolution of, like, what my uh, virtual box was configured for. So, uh, 1366 by uh, 654. Uh, I could only do in 256 colors. <laughs> and that's because I <laughs> and that's because I had my settings in VirtualBox to only have 16 megabytes of uh, of graphics uh, memory. So I up uh, up that to 64, and I was fine. So I don't know. I was really impressed by uh, by React OS and what what it's done. It's obviously not where it needs to be. Uh, I tried installing .NET on it, and I couldn't do that. I couldn't install Google <laughs> Chrome. I couldn't install, uh, yeah, just a lot of applications that I was trying. I, I was if I could have gotten .NET to run on this, then I was like, okay, we could actually start looking at using this for something, you know? Um, you should try installing Sigwin. <laughs> you can actually install QMU on here, so I could. <laughs> I can start doing some Inception stuff. Hey, Bo, I would do want to do that. Yeah, you, you know what? Honestly, if you're if you're looking for a Windows alternative, I would say do not use this yet. It's got promise. It's got potential. It's worth playing with. But honestly, if you go to 
use anything in here, you're basically going to be limited in the React OS Applications Manager to working applications that are out of date, older browsers, uh, older versions of different programs, but the ones that are up to date that'll run in it are free and open source software that you could get on Linux anyways. So there's no real advantage here, but I'm telling you guys, this is this has made a ton of progress, and I'm really excited to That's see. It's a cool proof of concept, I think. Oh yeah, I I honestly think that if uh, the Russian government could actually support this and go head first into it, um, then we could actually have something of value here. Uh, Putin apparently, like personally, uh, I remember seeing a picture or something of him. Uh, personally looking at this project and, and um, being pleased with it. So, Putin? Uh, yeah, Putin, yeah. There, there's like a picture, if I remember correctly, uh, I remember seeing a news item from a few years ago when Putin uh, sat down with the creator of React OS and he was showing him this. They were looking at it as a viable alternative to Microsoft and the U.S. as like a FU to, you know, America. Start seeing like Russian cyber crime just drastically drop because all, all their mar all their all the mal malware they developed just starts crashing and <laughs> yeah they're all using React OS <laughs> 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 but yeah it's it's right. it's come a long way so uh, Black Math you got something for us yeah so uh, apparently I was discovered that uh, there's a new trick to uh, do cool stuff to your iPhone. Um, actually, what what it's supposed to do is turn your iPhone into a, a supercomputer beyond your wildest dreams, and that's if you set your device's date to January first, nineteen seventy. So, if you go into your settings and set the current date to January one, nineteen seventy, it'll do uh, cool things like brick your iPhone forever. Or if you set up a rogue NTP server and set the time to January 1st of 1970. That seems like the more difficult way to go about it. But I guess if you want to do it to somebody else. But more entertaining way, I might add. True. You'd have to... You'd have to uh, spoof uh, your Apple's NTP servers, I think. Well, if you're on a Wi-Fi, though. I mean, if you're on a Wi-Fi connection... No, that's what I mean. Like, I think they make they make calls to Apple's NTP servers. Mm -hmm. yeah, I'm not just, sure. I'm just uh, yeah, yeah. You're you're postulating here, and that's fine. But yeah, it's going to be SSL. So you just uh, DNS spoof. Yeah, but you're still yeah. going to have to. Well, you could do. SSL. Well, NTP yeah, is UDP anyway. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, you're right. Yeah, but Rainmaker's the one who came up with that idea. Yeah. So, good idea, bro. Um, I'm just. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> fuck you. You're just trying to take credit. You're trying to steal people's credit. We don't, we don't approve of that. Yeah, I'm just trashing the rights. Trashing. trashing. So. Yeah, that idea was in that place where he put that thing that time. Ah, uh, that's <laughs> awesome. Uh, all right, so continue with uh, this. So, all right, well, well, hold on. So Apple has this. Now, it's not a permanent brick, though, I don't think. No. You, you apparently, just, you just have to take it to the Apple Store, and they'll fix it for you. I'm not exactly sure what the fix entails. But, oh, no, actually, I think they have to take it apart and uh, maybe, like... You remove, remove the battery. Yeah. Your battery just has to completely yeah. die. 
and then it'll reset. But then it'll do it again. If you it, what it what the bug comes from is uh, if you are using your your messaging or whatever anything that indicates a a um, a time. So like say I open up my messages and it says like the last text message I had said red yesterday. Well, that's being determined based off of the timestamp. And, uh, you know, if it says, like, 15 minutes ago or whatever, that function in and of itself there, that's what actually is where the bug resides. That's determining the, the time since uh, January 1st, 1970. And if you were to just so happen change your date to that, it screws up the entire way that it reads all of that, and that's why it crashes, so... Uh, good stuff. <laughs> yep. Great stuff. <laughs> that was a nice pause. <clears throat> no, I was talking that whole time, but I was on mute. Yeah, I was doing that earlier when y'all were talking. <laughs> Forgot to take myself off of mute. Um, all right. So, uh, moving on. Moving on. Uh, I've got, I've got a, a thing here, uh, where the San Diego Union Tribune, uh, reported that the city of San Diego paid, um, uh, 3,600, uh, uh, wait, $365,000 to buy a Stingray. And, uh, you know, basically, <laughs> uh, what happened with this is that, uh, they, when they bought this, they totally wanted to keep it under wraps. They didn't want anyone to know about it. And then uh, they re redacted all of kinds of parts of the information and in in all the documents that were that were retrieved from it. So uh, the uh, yeah, it, it's basically it, it kind of shows how uh, if you look at the article, it'll kind of it goes through all of the. Uh, the ways that they try to hide it and how the FBI works with local law enforcement to use stingrays. And since we talked about them so much, uh, you know, recently, I thought it was interesting to show that uh, the city of San Diego has one and they paid a hefty fee for one. Yeah. I mean, recently the federal government passed a law uh, restricting use of stingrays, but it only applies to federal agencies doesn't apply to local law enforcement so they're technically still free to just do whatever they want with the stingrays yeah it's beautiful it's beautiful um, so the fbi just has to leverage a local law enforcement or state law enforcement to use a stingray and then pass them the information instead yeah. of running a stingray themselves yeah and, and how hard is that going to be everyone wants to help the big boys Oh, yeah, yeah. Hey, if you do this for us, we'll put in a good word if you want to try to transfer over to us one day. This could be your big shot. Oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so there was this article that Ars Technica uh, UK uh, released about the NSA's Skynet program may be killing thousands of innocent people. Um, and... Yeah, yeah. So, so this article is is interesting because um, it's put me in a position which I don't like to be in, and that's actually supporting our government's uh, surveillance system 
Um, and, and the fact that this isn't actually as bad as this article paints it out to be. Um, yeah, their methodology probably is really shitty for um, doing machine learning to basically figure out if you are a suspect terrorist or not. Uh, basically, if you just swapped out SIM cards in the same phone, that's that's a trigger for them to know, oh, this person may be a terrorist. Um, in the in the slides that's pointed out about this, um, the uh, highest scoring selector uh, is this uh, Ahmed Zadian. I don't know how to say any of that, those names, but anyways, it's a journalist for Al Jazeera who, who uh, covered terrorists so of course he's in that whole you know dragnet um the problem with that is that he's not a terrorist he's just interviewing terrorists as a journalist insurgents um so uh you know it, that was that was their highest scoring selector well of course he would be the highest scoring selector because he's talking to so many of them if you were looking at this you would think that he was bin laden you know but uh Anyways, the article's position is that all of the methodology of doing this is a, quote, complete bullshit, end quote. Um, the problem is, is that they make this out to be where uh, if you're a selector, then, then you're on a kill list or something like that. Even though they specifically say that there's no evidence pointing that it ends up being on a kill list. The whole way that the article puts everything into perspective, it, it, it makes it seem like, uh, you know, they're just killing people left and right without any justification other than this big data tool that was a flawed concept. When yeah, it, with, yeah, yeah, but without facts, they're, you know, they're, they're just inferring this and they're connecting their own dots. Yeah. And like even the title of the article is the NSA Skynet program may be killing thousands of innocent people. And that's just sensationalism. Yeah. Like, you know, all your Facebook friends, they're going to see that headline and they're going to share it and just get all mad. Exactly. And it's all bullshit. The, the, the most important thing out of the entire article that I encourage people to look at isn't anything to do with, like, the article's content itself. Because, like he said, it's sensationalistic, and, and there is a good argument, but it's not about them killing people. It's just their methodology for finding selectors is wrong. That's all it is. But you need to go and see this article on arstechnica.co.uk. The NSA Skynet program may be killing thousands of innocent people. Look for that article. Because the first slide that they show, there's all these selectors, and it's in the shape of a penis. And that, to me, is the most important <laughs> takeaway from this article. <laughs> Because it the rest of the shape of a penis. Yeah. And the rest of it's complete bullshit. But that penis is one hundred percent true. So like I can't believe that Ars Technica of all places did such a piss poor article. Uh, they should be ashamed of themselves. And uh yeah, go make sure make sure that you uh you uh tweet at the, the writer here. It's T O H O L D A Q U uh, I L L R to hold a quill. What a douche. What a douche. That's his Twitter <laughs> handle. To hold a quill. Fuck you. <laughs> JM Porup. You cybersecurity reporter, you dick. Oh man, I'm gonna tweet at him. But anyways. Anyways. This the that one slide, the top secret one they have that says cloud analytic building blocks to talk about those uh patterns and analytics for identifying 
potential threats uh, is interesting, though, because I always maintain the argument that if you put a lot of energy into staying dark, quote unquote, yeah, I guess you're a target. Um, yeah, you're attracting more attention to yourself if you're not generating noise that, you know, just gets lost in, in everybody else's traffic and patterns and behavior. Like, um, in the behavior-based analytics bullet point, they have uh, low use, incoming calls only, excessive SIM or handset swapping, frequent detach slash power down, you know, stuff like that. And, yeah, you know, I mean... It, you're right. I, it, it just... I always think it's funny when people work so hard to maintain privacy in that way because for one thing like if you truly try to go dark it's almost impossible to maintain for any extended period of time and also <laughs> yeah. by going dark you've also established a pattern in and of itself so you know with any investigative uh, uh in, in, like any investigation what you're looking for is to narrow down your focus um find an anomaly and, yeah exactly and if you're if they know you're constantly trying to go dark any sort of anomaly in your behavior, any sort of slip up is just going to be completely blaringly obvious. So. Yeah. It's like if you look for uh, someone with a unique name and uh, there's nothing out there about them. If there's one thing put out there about them on the internet, that's what you're going to find. Yeah, they don't have to sort through any noise. They don't. Yeah, I mean, it's already narrowed down. Yeah. Uh, and Mr. Chin has left. The show. Has he? Yeah. He doesn't even say bye. Yeah, yeah, he's such a dick. No manners. No manners whatsoever. Who doesn't Man. say goodbye? I always say goodbye. <laughs> that's just, yeah, that's just, you know. It's common fucking courtesy, and he just doesn't have it. But anyways. Uh, <laughs> just you and me, bro. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, so... Uh, this, uh, NSA Skynet article is horrible, but there are It actually hurts, like, you know, the quest to reveal the truth and put a stop to, like, arguably unconstitutional behavior on the part of you know, certain government organizations, because, you know, I mean, you have to be very careful, like, when you're going to make any accusations they have to be proof based and when you do something that's all inferred like this and you know somewhat made up and sensationalist that really takes away from you know a lot of things that have been reported on that people have actually worked hard and and sacrificed you know in some cases their lives to to bring to light yeah that's my social justice warrior spiel for the day well i'm i'm happy that you could Give that to us. <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah, moving on. You want to hit the the two big ones? Let's start with the uh, the the trashing our rights one. The uh, the letter. Yeah. The Scarlet Letter. Okay, so uh, Apple has uh, issued a an open letter to their customers uh, regarding the uh, calls from the United States government that Apple uh, install a backdoor 
to their operating system on the phone in that was taken from uh, uh, the San Bernardino terrorist attack recently. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. so uh, basically what is is the, is the FBI couldn't crack the encryption on the phone and they want the information that's on the phone, so they compelled Apple to uh, figure out a way to break into the phone, like like to, uh, I think something something along the lines of flashing a new OS that would have uh, <laughs> back doors, I guess. I I don't see how that it could even happen. In the letter that itself, they say the government has asked us for something that we simply do not have, which yeah, is exactly. true. If you look at the way the iPhones are designed, you can't just image the phone. Like, that's the first thing you would think of. Well, okay, they have to brute force it. There's only 10 attempts before the data is uh, erased. Okay, well, uh, why don't we image this um, phone? And then, you know, you could have multiple instances of this image that are spun up and brute force just 10 times a piece. And then you, you, you bring it down and keep going. The problem with that is that uh, they're actually there's hardware pieces of uh, like it's tied to the hardware of your actual phone itself, so that there are specific indicators uh, due to the uh, I don't know different chips or whatever the hell different hardware elements of the iPhone actually as part of the decryption process. So. If you are putting in the code in an image, it's not going to, even if it was valid, it's not going to be able to decrypt it because um, it's just part of the puzzle. Think of it as kind of like two-factor authentication, only the other factor is the phone itself, like the hardware. So you've only got 10 shots and it's over with, even for forensics, which is awesome. Kudos to Apple for that. Yeah, I mean, uh, I really... I highly suggest anybody read this letter, even if you don't use an iOS device. It's uh, it is it's probably the best letter from, you know, a corporation that opposes uh, encryption backdoors. That is, I mean, it's it's very blatant and uh, you know very cut and dry. And, and yeah, kudos to Apple on their stance and explaining it so well. Oh yeah, it, and and the thing about it that's so interesting is that the government was uh, trying to use a, uh, a law from, I believe it was 1879. I, I don't have it in front of me. I'm trying to f- uh, actually find this specific. Uh, I, I probably two or three years ago, I had uh, done a lot of research into uh, some of these back doors and in the, in, in when I was doing a lot of my stuff with the... Um, uh, surveillance stuff before the Snowden leaks occurred, uh, but the All Writs Act of 1789, um, yep. it was the justification for this, uh, and th- this is you know, this is ridiculous. Uh, I don't I don't even know. It, it, like Apple, if they can't technically do this, which they they probably cannot technically do this. Um, then that's awesome because that's that's like uh, there's not an option for it, you know. Well, I mean, the the feds are probably used to like you know a certain type of results when they demand this type of thing. Like uh, when the NSA demanded from AT and T that they get their engineers to figure out a way to actively splice into 
fiber lines without disrupting traffic, and uh, which sounds you know impossible. He actually did, and so right. I guess they were expecting the same thing from Apple, but Apple said, "Fuck you! We're gonna write a public letter. Yeah, tell everybody what you're doing." And and that's good, and it's important to realize that yeah, this does have to do with terrorism, and this is an actual real. Like, worst-case scenario for the crypto wars, we have actual terrorists here that used uh, a tool to encrypt their data, and it's hindering an actual real investigation. But what's at stake here is is what's the most important part of this, and that's what Tim Cook is saying in this letter. So, it's apple.com slash customer dash letter. And you definitely need to read this if you haven't. I mean, it's been all over the place, so you'd have to live under a rock to not know about it. (laughs) Well, even better, (laughs) even better, uh, our good buddy, old pal, John McAfee, who is uh, running for president. I didn't know this. You know, he was going to be running for president under his own party called the Cyber Party. Looks like he's actually libertarian now. Yeah. So, <laughs> so John McAfee spoke up about this whole Apple letter. As he does anytime anything encryption oh, yeah. is involved. Um, he, he said, I'll decrypt the San Bernardino phone free of charge so Apple doesn't need to place a backdoor on its product. And uh, that's the headline of an article in Business Insider that he actually wrote. Yeah. Um, he wrote the article. And it is, it's fucking hilarious. Yeah, I will say this, though. Uh, I'm very proud of him for not mentioning him fucking his wife in this article. Because every other article, it seems that he has to mention that. Or guns or coke. Yeah. I mean, this dude always has to mention his, his African-American wife. And uh... I mean, he makes really good points. I mean, it's a well-written article. Yeah. Um, he says stuff like, it has finally come to this after years of arguments by virtually every industry specialist that backdoors will be a bigger boon to hackers and to our nation's enemies and publishing our nuclear codes, giving the keys to all of our military weapons to the Russians and Chinese. Our government has chosen once again not to listen to the minds that have created the glue that holds this world together. Yeah. Hey, I, I, the, another quote that I absolutely love is... Uh... That uh, where was it? Uh, and why do the best hackers on the planet not work for the FBI? Because the FBI will not hire anyone with a 24-inch purple mohawk, 10-gauge ear piercings, and a tattooed face who demands to smoke weed while working and won't work for less than half a million dollars a year. I know that was awesome. And it's true. That's, it is true. That's exactly why. If if uh, I had an opportunity to work for the government for for a competitive rate, then I would probably be a sellout for the feds, especially with the whole, like, having a two-foot uh, mohawk. Yeah, I mean, I, I completely support fighting crime. I completely support, you know, foiling terrorist plots. I mean, essentially, I, I support the... overarching functions of these organizations but the way they go about it i mean you know i mean that's it's like you know if you have a kid and instead of doing chores to earn their allowance 
they punch you in the balls and steal your wallet. <laughs> yeah. What happened to actually doing police work? Exactly. And it's th not supposed to be easy. Yeah. Oh, well, let me go type in a couple of searches in LexisNexis. Ah, I can't find anything. Investigation shit. <laughs> That's what it's come down to. Uh, I mean, I've had firsthand experience working with police and... Giving them the information. Oh, we can't figure out anything. I go and actually get uh, the individual's license plate, uh, pictures of them, uh, video of them, um, uh, you know, exact location where they reside, all of that. After handing that over, then they were able to do it. Was they were looking up what was, uh, you know, LexisNexis outdated info. Uh, from uh, different places in the state. It was just ridiculous. I was able to get all this stuff using Ascent. And, and that's not even me. That's an armchair detective, you know? That's not yeah. actually going out and doing real police work. I don't know why we have to make everyone's jobs easier for law enforcement. That's supposed to be a very uh, difficult process, not just having the back door. They don't need a back door. This is good that you can't get into that phone. Because our our uh, fourth and fifth amendments need need to mean something, you know. Yep. There's a there's some there are a couple of other gems in this article. It's filled with gems, but uh, there's a paragraph where he he kind of embraces or really describes the essence of, of hacking. Um, he says cyber science is not just something you can learn; <laughs> it's an innate talent. <laughs> the Juilliard School of Music cannot create a Mozart. A Mozart or a Bach, much like our modern hacking community, is genetically created. A room full of standard or a room full of Stanford computer science graduates cannot compete with a true hacker without even a high school education. <laughs> I agree with that one. That's Bingo. like that's like my uh, that's my whole like pitch for me getting jobs is that right there because I and don't have a high school diploma, so it's. <laughs> it's kind of necessary for me to pitch that paragraph. Uh, exactly. Yeah. I mean, but I mean, it's true. Like working in information security, the good part is that I get to play with things and do things that really interest me and I find it completely fascinating and I love it. On the other hand, more and more, I'm seeing people enter the industry that have no interest in hacking or curiosity or exploring or you know just the good-natured fun spirit that really excites most people that that do this type of work more and more nowadays i'm seeing people who go into it just for a career like you know hey i'll i'll, I'll be a uh, i'll yeah. be a doctor because i'll make lots of money yeah yeah and that's that's what separates people from information security professionals and hackers that's yeah. what it comes down to. You could be a hacker and an information security professional, but you cannot necessarily be an information security professional who is also a hacker. It's just one or the other. You got to be a hacker or you're not. But you don't have to be a hacker anymore to be an information security exactly. professional. Exactly. And that that's kind of a bummer, I got to say. It's kind yeah. of a bummer. Yeah, true. Because now, you know, you know, when you want to talk about some cool stuff with coworkers, you got to kind of watch it. Yeah, that's why this this show exists, because all the other hacking shows are gone, and all we have is those puffy infosec ones that suck. I mean, I'm not, you know. And ours sucks too, but at but. least we're hacking. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is what it's supposed to be like. Uh, one thing that I will say about John McAfee's thing that makes absolutely no sense and it's complete bullshit to me is, so here is my offer to the FBI. I will, free of charge, decrypt the information on the on the Sam Bernard... I can't even pronounce that word. Bernardino. Bernardino phone with my team. We will primarily use social engineering, and it will take us three weeks. Okay, 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 okay. <laughs> we will primarily use social engineering. How the fuck do you social engineer something out or, of two dead people? Or... It's brilliant because what he means it's is he's going to social engineer the FBI. <laughs> that's, that's also, yeah. And hand him some bullshit. <laughs> and then he closes the article with, if you doubt my credentials, Google, quote, cybersecurity legend, unquote, and see whose name is the only name that appears in the first 10 results out of more than a quarter of a million. And sure, I did that immediately after. <laughs> did it work? Oh, yeah. It was just nothing like... <laughs> It was like cybersecurity legend and eccentric millionaire John McAfee. Uh, uh, cybersecurity legend and uh, uh, accused uh, murderer. You know, just all these different <laughs> things. Uh, you and know then, what? And then there was the actual quote on a Reddit article that was the fourth result. Thank the gods for John McAfee. Yeah, I really want him on the show bad. You like? You have no idea. Like John McAfee. If you were listening. Which he's not. Well, you never know. He lives in Tennessee. Yeah. Well, I mean, if he's listening, then, you know, look, I know you're living a drug-free lifestyle, but here at Shadowcats, it's it's a party. I mean, it's a big party. <laughs> we, have, we have people. We have sound effects. We have air horns. Um... You know, we we've got the full package here, so <laughs> Yeah, it's a it's a nice friendly YOLO environment. Yes. Uh we we believe in the concepts of YOLO sex, so Hey I mean, dude, John McAfee, if you come on our show, I will vote for you. <laughs> there you go. I will I will <laughs> move my vote from whoever it was I was thinking about voting for and I will vote for you. There we go. That's great. Uh, I have one, <laughs> I have one article here to kind of reference. Uh, two weeks ago, we we talked a bit about Pornhub for a while. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I got a big kick out of their <laughs> analytics. Uh, yeah, you did. Especially the big, beautiful data where they uh, broke down the uh, the analytics behind big, beautiful women are BBW porn, aka fat girl porn. <laughs> Um, I also talked about how they have these really awesome campaigns to raise money. And uh, so Pornhub Cares is what they call it. <laughs> and uh, and honestly, if you look at the logo, it's like a heart with hands, uh, like like hugging. But it, it, it's pretty reminiscent of Goatsy at the same time. So I don't know if that was intentional. <laughs> oh, it was. Oh, it I'm had sure been, it was. Yeah. So save the wells. Uh, if you... Uh, download uh they, they're gonna give one cent for every two thousand videos viewed on the site from february 8th to 29th uh and you you may think that this is uh bbw videos saving the wells but no it's any any old video on pornhub there's no correlation to 
the are they donating to a specific uh, organization like Sea Shepherd or what? Uh, it's the Moclips uh, Cetological Society. Uh, it's oh. a nonprofit saving the whales through knowledge and conservation based out of Washington. Uh, so <laughs> they say, whales are cool, man. And they say sperm whales, humpback whales, we love a ball. Oh man, their their PR marketing people are it's the best yeah the best Good thing job. the best thing about it is that the at the bottom of the page it says how can you help and it says click on the button below to watch some of Pornhub's best videos the more you watch the more you'll be helping Pornhub save the wells and it's a button that's titled blow your load <laughs> <laughs> I honestly, when I saw the Save the Wells thing, I, I just knew that it was going to be like BBW porn, and it wasn't. I was very disappointed. But just any, any porn. Any porn. Any porn. Hell, just make a bot that goes and views porn, because at Shadow, Shadowcast, we don't advocate the viewing of porn. We advocate the viewing of porn analytics. But hey, yep. if you do get busted, you could always say you're trying to save the wells. That is true. That yeah. is true. Honey, what are you watching? It's okay. Uh, I'm I'm watching uh, uh, yeah. I'm 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 being charitable. Yeah, there you go. There you go. It's a charity thing. It's it's no big deal. You know, some addict out there is gonna definitely be personally responsible for one cent all two thousand videos. <laughs> Where's Mr. Chin? He always drops <laughs> off when he's relevant. The whales were single-handedly saved by one <laughs> Mr. Chin, one large chin man. Yeah, for some reason in our analytics, it just there was a huge spike in uh, blank Texas and from <laughs> one IP address from a life of crime, being arrested for streaking <laughs> to saving the whales. Yeah. And the infamous hacker known for his zero day, uh, uh nap, nap attacks. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. All right. Let's move into the big story of the week. Wait, what big story? It wasn't the cats. What do you mean? The big story, dude. Why well, have C. What was your big story? Um, there's a job opening. Oh yeah, go to, go go with that one. Yeah. Okay. Okay. R real quick before you before you blow your load. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Vape life, bro. So there's a job opening for all of you information security professionals. Speaking of, um, it's for the uh, I think it's the all new federal chief information security officer so if you ever wanted to be a CISO or if you're currently a CISO and you're looking for a change of environment the executive office of the president of the United States of America is hiring a CISO what? Now, in addition to being the cybersecurity scapegoat <laughs> and ensuring that you never work anywhere ever again uh, you get the mind-blowing salary of $123,175 to 
$100 per year. No! <laughs> <laughs> oh, but it is full-time permanent and probably comes with great benefits. Yeah. yeah, I mean, boy. I can't imagine who who in their right mind would take this job, man. Um, <laughs> uh, I don't know. That's a really horrible salary. Like, not just that, but I mean, you're fucked. Like, yeah. What do you think happens? Like, I, I don't know. That that's that was for the White House, wasn't it? Like that was for the executive branch being the CEO. Yeah. That'd be a fun job. Let's be honest. I'd take it. I'd take it. I'd be like, give me one of those black bears that are super secure. <laughs> you walk in there and then you look at your computer and you're expecting something you know not the best or whatever and then you 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 uh you see and you're like wow i'm kind of blown away here I'd, i had no clue that our uh executive branch was running off of react os that's insane uh <laughs> <laughs> that salary range though yeah, it's depending on experience. <laughs> but I mean, it caps out at 185. Well, it's a government job, so there's perks. Well, there are CISOs in government, you know, organizations that definitely make more than that. Yeah. And other public institutions that, you know, easily double that. Yeah, but what are you actually doing? I mean, hell. You are you're the fall guy. Like, you uh, are the fall guy. Well, shit. I bet you. I bet that's a pretty damn easy job, to be honest with you. But but this is for the Office of Management and Budget. Uh, yeah. Well, I, I mean that, that that's who handles. Uh, oh yeah. Personnel, I'm, I'm guessing. Federal Chief Information Security Officer. Yeah, that's a horrible, horrible. You know what? That just is reflective on how horrible. They view cybersecurity in a real sense. <laughs> like, well, we should probably have this position. Yeah, but we're not going to pay much. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, hell, uh, <laughs> there's no, there's no. That's like just for the title to say that you're the federal chief information security officer. Like, yeah, I mean, I want to apply for it. Let's see. Like, if, if you were to get the job, you know, like, start off on a good note, do some cool things. And GTFO. You know, yeah, and get the fuck out before something happens. You have to have a top secret security clearance, which isn't that hard to get. And I think you have to be, yeah, you uh, probably you have to. you can get to... one off uh, Silk Road, can't you? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Silk Road doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> uh it would be nice if you could um all right so uh, uh, can we move on to our our main topic now yeah let's blow our loads <laughs> oh god all right so yeah the g libc flaw it was disclosed on tuesday kind of a big deal um so uh, what I found funny about this was that it was actually discovered in a bug request back in like 2015, like like half a year ago or something. Did you see that? 
No, I actually didn't know that. Yeah, it was funny because some dude uh, posted the the uh, the bug entry and basically saying, "Hey, there's a buffer overflow here," without calling it a buffer for overflow. Uh, and I don't know. There was like some someone asked him a question, and he never replied. And then the next update is a, a CVE for it. <laughs> but yeah, a project. Oh, project. actually, yeah, I, I did read that. Um, yeah. In the Google Online Security Blog, because uh, there are a couple of guys from Google that discovered the flaw, and did a proof of concept. Well, they and did then... it after Red Hat found it before they did. Yeah, but they were keeping it under wraps. Right. Or as Mr. Chin likes to call it, embargoed. <laughs> oh, God, yes, it's true. He does. And I'm just giving Mr. Chin shit because he left without saying goodbye. Oh, my. Yeah. He... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's one of those nights. I don't give a shit. <laughs> yep. Okay. Anyway, glibc. Why is this a big deal? Well, being that most Linux servers are uh, affected by this, and uh, well, hell, let, let's let's put let's try to wrap it all up uh, with how, what all is affected by this. Uh, well, we have uh, a lot of your services like SSH. Hell, they were they were talking about like wget was, uh, you know, susceptible. Um, multiple, uh, you know, environments like PHP, Rails, uh, uh, which was in the in the in the post, uh, or I don't know if they said in the post or not, but Android uses Bionic uh, libc and not glibc, so no Android devices are affected by it. That was the one thing I was Stroke most concerned with. Yeah, I was very concerned with that. It's like, oh, well, the, the, how many thousands of phones out there are just never, millions of phones never going to be fixed? Uh, so for anybody who doesn't know what glibc is, I guess a way to sum it up is, uh, actually, I don't know a good way to sum it up and abstract it yeah. without just going into what glibc is. I mean, it's, 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 your, it's, it's, You've heard of C, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, the programming so, language C, and you have GNU C, or which is uh, basically uh, the the GCC, the compiler, is used by oh everything under the sun that compiles for Linux or Unix. You know. Yep. Yep. Um, and it's a very important fundamental part of the. Uh, open source, uh, I wouldn't say community, but open source in general. It was a very fundamental part of it all. Uh, but glibc in particular is used when you uh, compile your applications. And uh, there is a buffer overflow present in... Uh, and the and um, and the function I forgot what what was the function I forgot it was the, the get adder info I think it's yeah. like a D, like a name DNS. resolution yeah the DNS uh, resolution and uh, basically if you're man in the middle uh, you're fucked but that's not even really the limitations there because there's a lot of scenarios where you can be fucked with a man in the middle um, 
<laughs> but uh <laughs> god see i need an air horn now yeah i know right uh <laughs> but the uh the the real effects of that is uh, uh compromised or malicious dns servers uh or or just the dns query itself um so a domain name or a dns server that's uh controlled by an attacker uh or if you're man in the middle same shit different asshole it's going to uh, uh you're going to be affected here now what's really weird though is that the uh the size allowed for the the packet was just really odd to me. That's a really, I don't know. What's, do, you, do you remember what size it was? No. Okay. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was large. Yeah, basically, it's the DNS response, and then a second follow-up response is how they were getting it to work. Um, but it's it's like the exploit isn't consistent um, because of address randomization. But the proof of concept, which technically isn't an exploit, it just uh, checks for whether or not you're vulnerable by overflowing. It won't necessarily, necessarily overflow into uh, the right address space to do remote code execution. Right. Um, is pretty consistent. Like, I guess it works every time because that's all it's doing. Well, there's... Uh... Yeah, and, and and the the real effect of this is where 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 you know we have concerns. There are uh, just and I don't even know. Uh, think about the past few years we've had heart uh, heartbleed, stage fright, poodle. Um, God, what was yeah. the other one? Uh, uh, the one with, uh, fucking log jam, log jam. And that there was, God, I can't believe I'm not remembering. It. it was the, the bash one. Oh, uh, God, what was the name of that? Yeah. What was its fancy name? God, um, I fucking hate all these names having to keep track of them. Wait, what was poodle now? No. Poodle was the TLS thing. If I remember correctly. Oh yeah. Heartbleed was the, well, that was, uh, yeah. Certificate leak. That was open SSL. Yeah. yeah. Poodle had something to do with TLS or SSL. It was SSL. Yeah. I don't Poodle know. heartbeat heartbleed. Uh, shell shock. Damn shell it. shock. That's God right. damn it. <laughs> yeah, shell shock was cool actually. Yeah. There's still a lot of servers and, and yeah, a lot of servers and embedded devices still vulnerable to that one. And that's why this is scary because of embedded systems, Internet of Things, and servers that are just never going to be updated. Like, do you Raspberry Pi PBXs all over? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, it just, damn. Uh, hey, well, that's a good uh, example there. There are a lot of PBXs that are on networks that are embedded for appliances appliances that's a good way of putting it appliances yeah appliances uh all over the place are not going to be updated oh yeah embedded systems like yeah control panels and things like that you know, yeah. if they're running you know i mean it doesn't necessarily have to be linux but anything that's using c libraries and uh they don't update i mean if yeah. you work for an organization that went through like some sort of Windows XP remediation, if you're a large enough organization, you'll you know you'll discover that there are some weird systems that 
have to run XP and these vendors, you know, when you approach them and say, hey, the, don't you have some sort of update? They say, oh, no. And that's why Microsoft still kind of sort of ish supports Windows XP embedded or something yeah. along those lines. Uh -huh. Right. Yeah. Uh, like all of your point of sale systems for the most part still run XP. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, like fire alarm control panels. Uh, yeah. So many things. So many know. things. Uh, and, and one thing that Mr. Chin said beforehand was that, well, honestly, if anyone doesn't have uh, updates, then they deserve it. Well, uh, the TV station I used to work at had a uh, really expensive radar, and it ran Red Hat Linux, but a very old version. And I was like, "Wow, oh, God, this sucks. This, this this totally vulnerable system. It's got this radar attached to it. You know, that sucks. But it's not like I'm going to run Yum Update on a <laughs> like, multiple $100,000 radar. And... I wouldn't expect any IT admin to do that in that because imagine if you do an update and then you just hose your radar, you know, like no one's gonna do that. No one's gonna do it ever. No, I wouldn't take that risk. Or like medical equipment, you know. Exactly. Yeah. Like, just, hey, dude, if your heart stops, uh, it's okay. We'll just restore from backups. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, there, there's so much uh, at stake there, and that's. You know, I'm glad that these vulnerabilities are being found. Uh, that's the whole point of th this game. But, man, it sucks because there's a lot of vulnerable systems out there that are Linux-based. And uh, this whole thing being sold of how Linux is, you know, you don't have to worry about the security stuff like you do on Windows. <laughs> Except for uh, we have yeah. some really big vulnerabilities on Linux now in the past two years, three years. Oh man, yeah, it's been it's been crazy. Which is good because more eyeballs mean we're finding awesome things and uh yet again, big shout out to Google for uh Project Zero Day. Yeah, it wasn't Tavis this time though. No, I, think... I don't I don't think it was Project Zero, it was uh Oh yeah, that's some right. other security team and they were they ran into some weird bug that they couldn't fix and then they started digging in deeper and then found that it was an issue with nglibc i would have loved to have been in the room when they discovered that it was like a buffer overflow that was exploitable must have been they must have been so excited oh yeah uh like calling significant others shouting in the phone hey, i'm gonna be home <laughs> i gotta work on this and then they don't they, they still don't understand what the big deal is about it <laughs> this is so cool they're like oh that's that's nice honey yeah I don't nerds yeah but uh now one thing that um uh that tavis did do this time was he uh, uh in komodo's internet suite he found where uh a remote support application automatically gets installed when you install their crappy antivirus Wait, he's got a, he's got another yeah beef beef with Komodo yeah that's yeah. awesome yep <laughs> uh it, but it, it it starts a it installs and starts a VNC server by default what yeah they have a uh, uh this thing called Geek Buddy from Komodo oh fuck me yeah and it's <laughs> it's uh <laughs> it's a uh. Yeah, it's a, it's a service that you can call one of their geeks and they'll remote into your system. Uh, 
but uh, yeah so basically what you can do is uh, uh, is is they uh, they thought that they had there was this I guess it was brought to light beforehand uh, where there, there was local privilege escalation with this that was previously discovered and talked about and, and again this is uh, type VNC uh, server uh, used the HTT port opened on the default uh, 5800 port uh, and, and the thing about it was that there was no no password oh, but, but did the Komodo firewall block it until ah, it was needed nice good one I don't know uh, but there was a full CVE and everything uh, about it, but they they thought they had fixed it because they uh, they generated a password instead of not having one. Uh, but uh, he uh, Tavis figured out the password. <laughs> and, of course. Uh, and and it's a generated password, but it was trivial to get it. Uh, it was like a SHA one hash plus some other shit. Uh, so. Basically, uh, yeah, he goes through the entire thing and has his normal conversation and pictures, uh, but they, they released a hot fix to fix it. But it was pretty funny because uh, he, he sent the screenshot with uh, the, full, the full explanation and he opens up calc.exe. But I love it. He, he uses... He, I mean, it's very simple what he sends them that anyone should be able to understand uh, when they done goofed, you know? Why do they bundle this shit in with their software? Dude, have you have you used an antivirus program that wasn't an enterprise endpoint protection? Like Not recently? in a long time other than, you know, like, ClamAV and shit like that. All right, well, I'll tell you from uh, my experience with these programs... Uh, they're all awful now, dude. I mean, they, they, there's been some that were good at certain points. But, uh, I don't even know what to recommend to people now. I used to recommend Kaspersky to people, uh, because of the great detection rate. Unfortunately, um, that, unfortunately the, 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 there's just, they bundle crap too. Malwarebytes. Use Malwarebytes. Yeah, it's, it's crappy. Dude, all of them are crappy. They are. Uh... Even the like, if it's free, you're definitely screwed because there's going to be all these pop-ups for you to upgrade, and then people don't understand if that's just their antivirus or if it's some other thing that might have gotten on their computer. It's very confusing for people. Uh, my father, for example, has purchased these stupid programs they see on TV, uh, like SpeedMyPC.com, you know those type of things. And that ends up being worse than normal malware. Then he then he, then he has like five antivirus <laughs> solutions plus malware bytes. Dude, no shit. Like I was, uh, I got to take a. I was taking a look at a machine that had gotten hit with uh, a crypto wall type of malware. <clears throat> um, actually, it was Tesla Crypt or a, a new variant thereof. And I mean, if you ever ever seen like Crypto Locker or Crypto Wall. Uh, you know, once you're infected, it'll pop up all kinds of stuff that gives you instructions on how to uh, decrypt your files. Yeah. And I mean, actually, a lot of times they're they're really well explained on, on yeah, they're very helpful. How to <laughs> download the Tor browser, you know, click here to go to the site, use use this to use this to identify yourself, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But as I'm looking at this, and 
you know, uh, there's there's like a, a dialog box that pops up that asks permission to run, uh, oh, what was it, uh, some WMI script shit. If you click on no, then, you know, all of the, the instruction things pop up again. So you get these windows that just keep popping up and stuff. And, you know, all your files are getting in, or are already encrypted and you can't use them. And I thought to myself, you know, as bad as this is, I've actually seen legitimate software that would get in the way of my work more yeah. than these pop-up windows <laughs> and all my files being inaccessible. Yeah, dude, the, the antivirus solutions today suck so bad. Uh, honestly, you're, you, 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 it's, it's enterprise endpoint protection or nothing. Like, yeah. what's the point? Um, I mean, it, it's just really crappy. Just, uh, I don't know. I don't know what to recommend noobs. Just common people. I don't. People ask me all the time. And what I end up doing for a lot of people is I tell them just to put whatever on. I don't know. Whatever you're happy with. Just go get whatever it is. And then when you do get infected with a virus, because it's going to happen, uh, here's this CD. It's called Kaspersky Rescue Disk. <laughs> How about D-Ban? <laughs> fuck it. Yeah, yeah. You don't deserve a computer now. Uh, but I'll tell you this. I've had so many people who said, man, I got me a virus and I put that disc in and it got rid of it. Like, oh, yeah, that's what it's there for, yeah. <laughs> um, I, there was one person that I gave it to that would, uh, like, every, a few times a week would reboot their computer into the disc and and do a full scan of their computer thinking that that was now their antivirus <laughs> <laughs> and i never corrected them to this day still does it yeah it's probably the best solution yeah really just, doesn't have to run in the background and shit yeah and... just get out of windows completely boot into gen 2 and let it do its thing <laughs> is it gen 2 yeah it's gen 2 based oh yeah well, good good for them yeah, it'll. When you get it on, uh, you 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 know, if you're using a laptop, I always recommend like plugging in via Ethernet, because it's kind of like the, with that live CD, it's <laughs> it's kind of shoddy with your Wi-Fi. Yeah, you never know if it's gonna work. Yeah, so you plug in that the Ethernet reboot, boot off of Kaspersky, uh, and then uh, run your scan. I mean, it automatically updates the definitions online, and you're good to go. It's awesome. And for free, you can't beat that price. I think as far as heuristics go, though, I think Malwarebytes has a pretty good heuristics engine. Well, I mean, it, uh, screw the engines. It's about the fact that it, it's like half your, <laughs> your computer is taken up by this stuff. It's yeah. stupid. And it's been that way for ages. Yeah. I mean, imagine if someone came along with, like, an, a, a, an amazing antivirus solution that just wasn't intrusive and didn't have all these stupid-ass buttons that were, like, 10 inches wide that say, scan now, with a clicky oh. effect. When you press it, it's like you press, like, an actual physical button, like a... I hate, I hate a a AV programs so much. <laughs> Uh, like flash animations and yeah yeah banner yeah. ads and your fucking antivirus come on I've seen it just run react OS or Linux and call it a day remember zone alarm 
Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa. I used to run uh, awesome. Black Ice back in the day, which is basically like a an IDS, IPS, slash firewall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that used to be awesome. I mean, it didn't hog resources, and it worked pretty good. And that and back in the, that was back in the day when AVG was actually totally free and was awesome. low footprint. Yeah. Like AVG used to be awesome. Yeah. Now it's got all of that those buttons I was talking about. That's who I was referring to. Yeah. AVG just turned into some bullshit. Oh yeah, yeah. Like it, it's worse than malware now. It changes all your browser settings to their safe search. And, and, you know, it does all kinds of crazy stuff that malware would do to your computer. Um, there was, a, I, I, Avast used to be good too. Oh yeah. One thing I liked about Avast is it included a screensaver. So that when your screensaver came on, it would run that screensaver, but that would also scan your system. Oh, nice. Yeah. That was back before real-time protection was a big deal. There's still like Node 32. I don't know if it still works. Oh yeah, that was that was a popular one back in the day. But alas, a fucking AV. Uh, there, there's some like uh, Chinese AVs that I would probably <laughs> rather run than the other ones because those are gonna be the the AVs that get all the Chinese shit that the other ones don't know about. Or maybe they just ignore all the Chinese shit. Yeah, true. <laughs> System okay. <laughs> System okay. You know, sometimes I wonder that about Kaspersky, even though, you know. Yeah. I always just wonder in the back of my mind, like, uh. I wonder if someone's arm's going to be twisted one day. And Kaspersky turns into the greatest backdoor that ever was. Let's just say you wouldn't be coloring me surprised. Right. It's Russia. Exactly, yeah. Uh, uh, for uh, for work, I have Bitdefender deployed as the endpoint end protection. For like an enterprise one? or Yeah. I don't, How's go, that? I don't go use their, like, consumer one. That was... <laughs> it's great uh, grinding business to a halt <laughs> yeah. well I will say this I used to have Viper and uh, it, it was the best for not being like a resource hog and all of that Bitdefender is definitely much more of a resource hog but it's doing a whole lot more and it's a better uh, it's got a higher detection rate um, but it, it does it does have a resource impact unfortunately and when I have a lot of the systems that are only having like two gigs of RAM that's a big uh, oh. yeah that's a big knockdown in performance so YOLO it's not my computer <laughs> <laughs> oh that's the price of doing business <laughs> but yeah I, I don't know anything about their their consumer offering, the free one, uh, or their uh, internet security. The problem is with a lot of these is they, they offer the full suite. And that's that's what they're actually going... You know, all these vulnerabilities from Project Zero Day hasn't been from the AV engine itself. It's all the crap surrounding it. Yeah, all the stupid bells and whistles that 
have no reason to exist. Yeah, like it's it's really stupid. The the one that I was talking about that wouldn't load on React OS, uh, Emunet three. That is, um, I guess, what I'm gonna start recommending to people. Uh, the way that one works is it's based off of Clam AV, which is an open source antivirus solution that runs on every operating system. Um, but Immunet, uh, the way it works is your sample, like when it's scanning for stuff, and if it sees something suspicious or whatever, it'll upload it for a uh, cloud analysis. And it, it basically... Um, uses I guess sort of like a machine learning type thing where uh, use, using all the samples that are being uploaded by users it'll uh, it'll detect uh, it'll detect it instead of like definition based just strictly definition based it'll gather samples or suspicious things and then and then uh, oh yeah this is vi uh, a virus okay well uh, the cloud just made this a whole lot better. So I guess the whole concept there is combining Clam AV with something like Virus Total. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's free, and it's and it's put out by Cisco. So there you go. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's from uh, what was the company that that they bought out? Was it Sourcefire? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, you know, uh, Latera used to work for them. Oh. Was it Sourcefire? You know, I don't remember. All I remember was Clam AV. Yeah, whoever mm. used to run Clam AV, I think it was Sourcefire. Yeah, that that sounds right. And they were um, bought by Cisco, and Immunet was like a I don't know, the better professional version of it. But yeah, Immunet's pretty cool and it's free, so go for that one. They only have like two point two million users so it's not that great <laughs> i mean clam av is like the worst av product out there well uh, it is depends what you mean by words detection rate the thing that actually matters is the detection rate yeah you know i mean like on linux servers you know we would run i mean like to do a scan or if we, there was a compromise and we want to scan over the home directory or something, you know, we, we can run a clam scan, um, or a maldet and maldet always picked up stuff that clam scan would it very rarely would clam scan find things that maldet didn't. But the recommended procedure in the maldet configuration was to use clam AV as a scanner engine, which never, which seemed odd. But apparently it runs faster. I don't know if it like combines, or if it's just the engine that has to do with scanning and speed and Maldet uses its own signatures still. I guess. Uh -huh. And anyway, Clam AV has never really caused any problems for me, but never been you know like uh, anything that's blown my mind. Yeah, it's not that great. I've I've tried using it. I've compared it before. And it's always got a really low detection rate. I mean, it's pretty awful, man. It's probably the worst AV solution out there. That's why I was really hoping that Immunet could take off because there are so many people who 
uh, you know, two point something million, that's not that many, but if you could get a lot of people to, to stop using AVG and Avast and Avira and all these other free ones that are bloatware, you just move them over to that one. They're still going to get viruses with all that shit anyways. So at least with this, you're helping the community out. Yeah. I agree. But there's a reason why any open source, like, border protection, like, a yeah, spam filter, is going to have Clam AV as the community edition free thing. But, you know, if you actually want to use this, <laughs> you need to pay, pay for a license for an actual AV. <laughs> not Clam. It's not that great. But anyways. I think that's pretty... An, get an enterprise endpoint solution with one license. <laughs> <laughs> You know, request I, a quote. You know what's funny? I'm actually uh, at work. I actually uh, convinced the the company that I got all this from, the endpoint protection, everything from, that we were a uh, a managed service provider, and uh, <laughs> so that I could get better pricing on everything. It's like uh, I, I'm I'm basically. You know, if you're a managed service provider, you're 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 reselling this to your clients, so you're getting the the cost of all the endpoint protection and all the system checks and like uh, wholesale. Yeah, yeah, like it, it includes web filter, um, uh, the 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 antivirus and remote administration, all using well-known premium engines and everything. And I'm paying like, I don't know, I think it's $2 per workstation per month. And if you if you do the math there, that's $24 a year per workstation. That's cheaper than like the cheapest antivirus solution from like, you know, residential or whatever. Or, or even true. enterprise, yeah. <laughs> so I'm getting all the bells and whistles for cheaper than just normal AV. Uh, because I've convinced them that I'm a managed service provider. And when it, I've never realized why they've never looked at our account and said, Huh, I wonder why there's only one company. Guess he's a bad sales guy. Oh, wait, it's the same company that we sold to. That's weird. <laughs> <laughs> they offer they offer the exact same platform for enterprises, but it costs like 80% more. So, <laughs> I'm a managed service <laughs> provider who's just providing it for our own company. It's saving all that money. <laughs> Social engineering. Yeah, yeah. It works. So that's all that matters. Well, why don't we move into our main topic of the night, which is actually where we get off and we, uh, well, where's the, where's the rim shot for that one? But, um, <laughs> yeah, uh, where we, uh, are signing off and, Letting the episode from October 1st of last year take over. Uh, and I hope you enjoy it because it'll cut off and that's when that stopped recording. And that's all you get for this week. <laughs> Although, LOL. Uh, before we get into that, I will start uh, off with a little treat uh, to, to preface it. Mr. Chin uh, was... We were giving him a bunch of flag for not being on the show. And so I, uh, I, I I got him on Skype. And my mic was muted. I didn't have any of that on. And I was actually playing 
previously recorded stuff where we were just chatting before the show a long time ago, months ago, and he was trying to talk to us, <laughs> and he couldn't hear it. Like, like he could hear us, but obviously we weren't there to hear him. And uh, this went on for like ten minutes that he was just trying to talk and listen to all <laughs> us just having a great time, and then. And then I started playing an entire unedited episode so that he thought it was real. And at the beginning, uh, I didn't realize in that episode I was actually shit-talking him. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and how he sounded horrible and that we, we wouldn't let him on the show. And he's hearing this and he, and he sends a message that says, You know I can hear you, right? <laughs> 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 oh yeah, that was that was a group message, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's when he that's when he was hearing me talk about how I'm not gonna let him on the show. <laughs> it was it was from when he was driving around in his car. Well, oh yeah, and he could hear the entire interstate just in the background, like. And we were using the PBX too, not Skype. Yeah, it was like a horrible audio all across the board. But yeah, this is, I'm going to try to put a little bit together so you don't have to listen to 10 minutes of us talking. But uh, that's what you'll hear. And then you'll hear uh, your mom from way back when. <laughs> the original episode three right here. So enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, wait, wait. Any last things you want to say, Black Math, before the show begins? Uh... Or, or ends or whatever we want to define this as. Oh, yeah. Maybe since it's going to cut off... Uh... I'll just say hack the planet. Yes, indeed. Hack the planet, indeed. All right, well, thank you, people, for listening to this news. And if you really want to listen to the rest of it, by all means, this is all for you. So here we go. This is us signing off. Until next week, make sure you hack the planet, guys. I have no idea. I, I know this oh. is a reverb, but oh, I don't. Wait. I forgot I changed my Twitter name to the Amazing Jimby. <laughs> <laughs> That's that amazing. <laughs> we could do that stuff like, and his name is John Cena. <laughs> <laughs> But only with the appropriate background. Oh, like, Ladies uh, and gentlemen. Let's get this shit started. I forgot my intro line. Wait, are we going to have Castro get on at all? Fuck I'm no. here. Like, that'll be the, on, the, the running joke is that he's sitting here trying to get on. <laughs> uh, he's it, desperately it, trying because he needs to drive to the office and he wanted to be on his mobile Oh, well, fuck comp. that. Fuck that. I don't know. Well, you could bridge them in, dude. I don't give a shit. I, well, you I don't know how many... To, <laughs> I mean, you could get him to turn his levels down on CSIP Simple. No, I, I I wouldn't trust him because we did that last time and it was so bad. But you could you could bridge him in if you wanted to. I'll bridge him in in a bit. Oh, okay. who dropped? Hopefully Polygon. Nope. I think it was Polygon. No, I'm still here. Oh. Who the fuck dropped? Maybe it was Coder. <laughs> Alright, we've really got to get this shit started. We're like an, almost an hour late starting. Um, 
But let me make sure I have enough, like, minutes on my VoIP account real quick before you call them. I don't remember if I'm paying <laughs> per minute or if I have unlimited. Cause for yeah, I don't want to suck up your VoIP minutes just to call him when yeah. when he when he could just connect. Like, is his account disabled? <laughs> hey, dude. You've just been listening to recordings this whole time. Are you fucking... <laughs> <laughs> I've had my mic muted just laughing my ass off. <laughs> 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 You're just listening to a recording from October 1st. <laughs> just kept it going and then you would have really been thrown through a loop when you heard yourself on the show come on come all engaging your mom in three two one activate so this week is uh osn or open source intelligence or austin if you're talking to- yeah austin for stalkers <laughs> because if there's one thing that the internet has brought us, it is complete and utter freedom to become the greatest stalker you could possibly ever be. Story of my really life, right there. <laughs> yeah, basically. And we kind of touched on this too with uh, the things you had pulled up uh, with that prostitution ring and the. Uh, the, the professional that you called um, and all of the information that you know they were leaking was just freely available um, you know on the same token um, you can be as secure as you want but it all comes down to your biggest weakness are going to be all of your connections your friends your family other people that pass to you over social media um, and other things like that if their if their security and opsec is absolutely horrendous you'd be surprised um, what kind of information can be pulled up on you because uh, because it's just, just the way that these things work so <clears throat> I'd like to get a conversation going about um, some open source and typically freely available ways that you can start piecing together information on people just to kind of highlight how vulnerable you might actually be even though you think that uh, you know you might have decent OPSEC yeah um, you might be taking decent measures you might think that you know you're you've got your privacy settings set you know you're not uh, friending weird people but honestly a lot of that doesn't matter it's it's very rare that you'll if you look into somebody that you really can't find anything if if they've ever been on the internet they'll usually have some sort of footprint that can get you started um so like i said friends and family you know on facebook you can have your privacy settings locked down but let's say if i was trying to get information on you and i can't search for you um i happen to find your profile and there's not much information on it if I know any of your friends and family, I can start piecing together a network 
find pictures that you might be in, find things that maybe that you've commented on, um, and basically just start uh, like a web or network to profile you from, from the periphery. Um, but there's a lot of other things that, uh, a lot of other sources to get information. Um, you guys got any uh, favorites that you want to contribute? Uh, I, I know nothing of the subject, so I don't have anything to contribute. Um, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Uh, yeah, I got tons of uh, information. <laughs> You're talking uh, like, uh, like white pages or like even things like that? Well, yeah, well, there are like online directories. I mean, you'd be surprised. I mean, you know, the the common advice is, hey, Google yourself and see what's out there. And yeah, yeah but, you're, you're going to be in public directories, but yeah. there are a lot of other places that right. shit will show up. Yeah, uh, just off the top of the, the noggin here, uh, you've got Spokio is a great one. Uh, that's S-B-O-K-E-O. There's, I don't know if it's supposed to be people or Pipple, but it's P-I-P-L, uh, P-Q. Um, those are three that are, basically what they do is they data mine the, the interwebs and correlate uh, public information databases such as voter registration in some states or uh, tax records. I don't know. They have various public information resources, and then they basically go through and try to associate that information with uh, your social media presence or accounts that may be online. So usernames that may uh, have your name associated to it at some point in time. Now even that username is being searched to correlate with you. Um, those aren't like... They're not the destinations, I'd say. They are helpful to kind of automate a lot of the process for you in that regard. Yeah, they do a lot of legwork. Sometimes they can pull up things that, uh, you know, you might not have found easily and get you set on a different track. Sometimes they have completely inaccurate information, oh, yeah. which, is, which is why, you know, you have to you, know, you have to put your eyes on it. <clears throat> but, uh, yeah, they're, they're, they can be pretty revealing. Um, oh, some uh, other one, ones... One thing that I will say, it's on a specific site, but... <laughs> it's like the unavoidable dock dropping as far as family connections go are, are obituaries uh, those will oh, yeah. always have all of the real information and who's going to sit there and say no don't put me in the obituary like you can't and socially you can't fucking do that like they won't look, like no one in your family is going to be cool with that uh, and, and it's not like a directory where a lot of them you can actually request to have your record either kept private or removed i mean these are like you know <laughs> forever like there is archives just a wall. Of, yeah, yeah like archives from newspapers and things like that so you really can't can't get them removed um yeah definitely obituaries i know like i've found my name in some obituaries <laughs> too yeah oh, well it, it, yeah it's really good for uh because things don't really make sense sometimes when you're looking at social media accounts but if you have that set in stone uh, you know, reference there on a like family hierarchy. You can look at the tree. You can then know, oh, okay, so this is actually a cousin, not a sister. So I need to focus my efforts on the sister versus the cousin. You know what I'm saying? Like work your way through to gather that information on those uh, the social networking sites that are out there. 
Yeah, just as if you were, you know, like red teaming a network or a system, you basically want to just find all the relationships and all the pieces and be able to map that out um, because you never know what avenue might produce like a treasure trove of, you know, or a way in, so to speak, <clears throat> when others might might not be so fruitful. Um, another one I like to look at are uh, local government websites. If you know their, their location, I mean, you can sometimes pull up court cases, you know, whether they're plaintiff or defendant, those are all there. You know, business, business registrations like DBAs, LLCs, um, property ownership records. If they have like a professional license, you can freely look up license holders for different professions on local government websites, marriage licenses, things like that. Mm -hmm. Ham radio license. Uh, yeah, yep. yeah. I mean, that's a that's a huge one that I don't like. You, you legally, and, like, if you're a ham radio uh, operator, you have to give out your call sign, which is letting everyone who can hear you uh, know who you are and where you live. Yeah, and that's a great example of now you have, like, another identifier, just like a username that you can now include in uh, in your searching. Like, you've got... And, and if, if you're lucky enough, you can get mud shots, too. If you're really lucky, the particular ham will use uh, a vanity license plate. Makes your job a lot easier. Yeah, I know. I wanted to do that, but I also don't want to lie to the FCC about where I live. <laughs> yeah, bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because they don't take PO boxes either. That's one thing about ham radio registration. They don't like PO boxes. Nope. Like you they have to drive. Yeah, I tried, and they said nope. Like I, that's what I wanted to do is the PO box, but nope, uh, it had to be my physical, physical. I can't oh, even. I, I literally cannot receive mail at my physical location. Uh, but but that's what I had to do. And and the thing is, is the SEC, if they send you, uh, if if the SEC sends you information, um, then you are uh, you you have to reply, and uh, you know. It's it's undeliverable mail. It's like a uh, an email address that doesn't exist. That's basically what I have to deal with if the FCC ever sends me anything. So thanks. You're dropping my docs, FCC, and you're also just making my life a whole lot more difficult. I don't yeah, know why did why did I go on that tangent? That was fucking stupid to me. Like that really went on way too long. Because it's kind of like they're one of those family members that just, you know, leaks all your yes. shit, even though you have decent OPSEC. Um, yeah. Thanks, no, no. Y'all <laughs> have no idea. Like, Mr. Chin can, can you know, attest to this. Uh, I have been getting so much fucking junk, e like, like not email, uh, just junk mail, uh, ever since I became, a, 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 like, a licensed ham oh, radio. God. Yeah. Oh, there's so many websites. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. It's it's so bad the uh the, it's like the, the snail mail version of fucking Windows Clippy. Hey, do you want an antenna? Uh, speaking of Clippy. Uh but <laughs> uh, But yeah, I um I I I, I can see my name on all of these various ham radio sites with my full address and that really pisses me off and there's nothing I can ever do about it uh, and, until I change my legal name I guess 
and have have various fake addresses. I don't know. That's a lot of effort to be a ham radio operator. They've also started selling your info when you move. Like I had to update my address, and now I'm getting a bunch of spam in my mail and email inbox about, oh man, you need these coupons. Yep. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, that does happen. So, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's unavoidable. It's bullshit. Especially yeah, it really like, is. With ham. Well. But, uh, alright, yeah, so, so <clears throat> continue, please. Um, government websites, um, getting back to like social media, you know, Facebook's the obvious one, but anything social is going to have these peripheral leaks, no matter how much you try to be, you try to be safe or secure. Like, I mean, take for instance, something like, uh, Instagram, which, you know, a lot of people geotag their photos, you know, they, they have a map of every place you've been taking photos. And if you correlate that with their timeline, you can pretty much know exactly where they are at any given time. Um, if you know where somebody is at some given time and you install Tinder and if they're using Tinder, you can uh, maybe uh, get into a one-on-one -on -one social interaction. Um, even though I think, doesn't Tinder like force you to use Facebook to try and keep fraud done? Anybody know? Uh, I wouldn't know. Hey, Polygon, you're on Tinder, right? <laughs> anyway, um, you can you, know, you can create a fake Facebook profile, but any sort of social media app and things like that, um, you're taking you're taking a risk. Um, <clears throat> hobby sites and forums. Somebody knows like an interest, they might be able to find you talking and maybe leaking some personal information, like. Uh, I don't know, not like maybe ham radio forums and you start talking about the uh, uh, antenna you're putting up in your yard and you start leaking up, uh, you know, geographic information, things like that. Um, Yelp, Foursquare, places like things that you check in with. I don't know if any of you remember a while back uh, when Foursquare was just pretty much vomiting everybody's uh, everybody's check-ins on a public feed uh, there was a site I think called please rob me.com that would take that feed and post when people were not home yeah and I think it I correlated that. it yeah correlated it with their uh, uh, social media accounts I think so it gave you their address and told you to go you know you can go rob them because they're not home which is kind of, I think they were doing it to be funny, but you know. Um, so geotagging, um, speaking of geotagging with Instagram, um, Flickr sometimes can be a treasure trove of information. Um, if you find somebody's Flickr account, uh, not only can you look at uh, the EXIF data, which can give you uh, geolocation but um, if they do retain all of the EXIF data you can get device information and sometimes they're taking it with their phones so you can uh, start profiling the devices they use uh, but a lot of times in pictures there are visual clues we're sorry you have reached a number that has been disconnected or is no longer in service if you feel you have reached this recording in error 
Please check the number or try your call again.